0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus exercised an evil spirit from a man. You may say to yourself, well, it's a good thing we don't have to worry about such things nowadays. Most people, in fact, don't worry about Satan or evil spirits. According to Barnard Research, for what it's worth, Uh, most self-professed Christians don't even believe that Satan is a real being. You know better. Those who are baptized in this church or whose, whose membership has been transferred here would be familiar with the questions that the church asks. Do you renounce the devil? Do you renounce his works? Do you renounce his ways? You know, um, many of you know Reverend Rake. He recently recalled a time when, when uh, he asked his congregation, when's the last time you saw an exorcism? And he told them, the last time you saw a baptism, you saw an exorcism. Now, some people who are fixated on rationalizing everything as though nothing supernatural has ever occurred or could occur, say that these accounts of demonic possession that we read about in the scriptures are due to the misunderstandings of a less sophisticated populace. Or perhaps they were manifestations not of Satan and his legion of demons, but of some sort of uh, psychotic fit or epilepsy, some natural cause. Surely there must be a natural cause, which of course is absurd. A person... I mean, for one thing, a person with an epileptic seizure would not speak at at Jesus, would not speak to him the way this spirit spoke to him. And the other thing that's absurd is that people were not less sophisticated. Okay, they didn't have iPhones. That doesn't mean they were less sophisticated. We uh, um, We have technology for sure. But They, in many ways, were more in touch with the world around them, the real world, which includes the spiritual world. And they were more in touch with that than we are. Now, you may say, okay, that's right, demonic possession is real. That means that we all have something to add to our list of worries. Well, the answer is yes and no. I mean, there is truth in that. The scriptures teach us who Satan is. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's from John eight forty four. 44. We know that he is clever. Genesis 3 tells us the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. That the Lord God had made. Of course we know that he's old. Because he was there at the beginning. He's powerful. He exercises power over people. Even believers. Like Job. Now Peter. Warned us. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around. Like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Sounds like Peter recognized that Satan was a real being. He even warned believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He warned believers to watch out. Now Paul tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That's even more scary. He's attractive. He's alluring. He's enticing. His aim is to drag everyone possible to hell with him. He's been around a long time. He's been working at this for a long time. He knows what he's doing. Think about the way that Satan tempted Eve. Did God actually say? It's very subtle. Planting doubt in her mind by questioning God's word. Did God really say that? Oh, surely he meant something different. He attacked her reception of God's word. He caused her to doubt God's word, just as he is at work today, causing people to doubt God's word. Did God really say? Now, we don't have uh, uh, a history, a recent history of dramatic, demonic possessions in spite of movies like The Exorcism and, and so forth. And there are reasons for that. Um, I think there's logical explanations for that. But uh, I don't want to get bogged down in that. What I want to say is that there is the way in which, in which sin works on us, in which Satan works on us through that. And this is something that is more palpable to us. You know the commandments. You know right from wrong. But do you always do what's right? And if the answer is no, why not? Do you allow a softening of God's word? Do you rationalize your failure to keep his commandments? I mean... I know that it's wrong to slander my neighbor, but I'm not really gossiping because what I'm talking about is true, so isn't it kind of okay? I mean, I'm sort of justified in doing this. I know that God forbids adultery, but we love each other. We'll be married one day, eventually. Or maybe it's not even a person. Oh, it's just pictures on the computer, that's all. There's, there's no sin in that. Jesus said to render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but, I mean, everybody fudges a little bit on their taxes. I mean, what is that? It's just a little bit of dishonesty. See, Satan wants you to believe That your sins are just no big deal. Well, hold on, let me clarify. Before you commit the sin, that's when he wants you to believe it's just no big deal. Oh, go ahead. God doesn't really expect you to be perfect. Now, once you've committed the sin, forget it. It's like the worst, most vile, heinous thing. Uh, remember, Satan is the accuser. He stands accusing you. God couldn't love you. God could not redeem you. Not after what you've done. I know what you've done. You know what you've done. It's awful. God couldn't save you or rescue you from that. He's crafty. He's subtle, yet powerful. He works through suggestion. He's been around for a long time. You are not fit to contend with Satan on your own. Even uh, in the book of Jude, there's one passage where St. Michael was contending with Satan over the, uh, the body of, was it Abraham? Anyway, he says, the Lord rebuke you. Even the archangel Michael doesn't presume upon himself to rebuke Satan, but he says, the Lord rebuke you. That's wisdom, is knowing that we're not, we should not go into this fight alone or think that we can do this on our own. There is a sure and certain defense, and that is what we need to take hold of. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, this is when Peter was very bold and strutting around, talking about all the, that he was going to be. I can do it, Jesus. I'll never leave your side. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. This is Simon Peter, the rock, the one who made that bold confession that our church is founded upon. Jesus goes on, and this is the important part, but I have prayed for you that your your faith may not fail. Your sure and certain defense, your only sure and certain defense is the intercession of Jesus Christ. That is what really makes this gospel lesson today such good and comforting news. Jesus taught with authority, even exercising command over the evil spirits. Remember, even the evil spirits obey him. Jesus is all-powerful, and what's more important, he's all-powerful for you. Beloved, Satan is strong, but Jesus is stronger. Satan hates you, but Jesus loves you. Satan lies and deceives with cunning. But Jesus comes to you through word and sacrament, working faith in you, working forgiveness and reassuring you, telling you, though your sins are like scarlet, though they they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Those are Jesus' words to you. By all means, strive to keep the law. But when you fail, and you will fail, do not despair. Satan does not get the last word. Jesus gets the last word. And his word to you is, I forgive you of your sins. That is the sure and certain defense that we have in Christ Jesus. Not only is he powerful enough to beat back Satan, but his disposition toward you is one of love. He went to the cross to take upon himself your sins and the sins of the whole world. Thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.